0: Comes down to this the one thing. Surprise. <laughs> if you were wondering where I was, I was worshiping down there because I get to share my heart with you today. If you don't know me, is this okay? If you don't know me, my name is Becky Gerlach, and I am the director of worship and short-term missions here at North County. It is an honor to have this position here because I am so passionate about worshiping Jesus, and I'm also passionate about making his name known in other countries. So, that's who I am. I've been married for almost 21 years. Next month will be 21 years... This is my family, married to good old Matty Gerlach. A lot of you know him, and these are our children. As you can see, they are all different heights. Um, we didn't have a height requirement for them, so <laughs> one of them, one of them's an overachiever. <laughs> but you know, I was thinking, we all grew up here in Washington. We're a Washington family, so it's nice because we have kind of this North Cascades thing going on with all of our different heights. I love my family, we are all very passionate people, and we are a unified family, and we love doing life together. Another thing that you might know about me is that I am a piano player, and I get to play this gal every week, I adore her, but I also get to play the piano for both Linden Public and Linden Christian Schools. So if you go to any choir concert at any of those schools, you'll most likely see me at the piano there. On top of all of that, I taught piano lessons for 15 years. Do I have any students in the room today? Yeah. (laughs) My family. (laughs) I loved teaching piano lessons. It was fun. Um, I hung that up to spend more time with my kids and to come here full time to serve Jesus. So it's been an honor and privilege to always be at the piano. I had some great piano teachers growing up. My first one, I started when I was seven years old. Uh, Her name was Karen DeRyder. Does anyone know Karen? She was also a teacher at Ebenezer Christian School, and she had such a beautiful smile. She was so friendly. She taught me middle C. She taught me how to count to four over and over again. And she taught me my very first, or helped me write my very first song, which was called, I Had a Bird Named Tweety, which I did, in fact, have a bird named Tweety. So she moved over to Ebenezer and quit teaching, and so I started being taught by Joyce Cox. She was a pastor's wife from First Christian Reformed Church here in town, and she was a sweet lady, too. She really helped me dive into classical music, make sure I knew my theory, helped set up a great foundation for me to know music really well, And then they moved away, and then I had the honor of being taught by the one and only famous Claire VG Thomas. So you might have seen her name on the theater here in town, and I know a lot of you in the room knew Claire personally. She had the heart of gold, and she not only taught music, but she loved music. And she helped me get music down into the depths of my soul. And what happened then was I took that love of music, and I turned it into worship. And so I love to use my love, my deep down love for music and put that together with my insanely passionate love for Jesus Christ and put those together and lead you guys in worship every week. It's fun. This is, yeah, it's a good kingdom practice, right? It's a good kingdom practice to worship God together. And we did that all morning. It's been awesome. You see, with music, I went about knowing about music, To really knowing music, that deep down heart understanding of what music is and what it can do for us. And so I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus or do you know Jesus? And you might ask, what are the difference between those two things? Well, one is about retaining information. It's like in school, right? Right? you have history and chemistry math all of those things where you got to get the grade and so you retain the information long enough to get it down on your exam and then poof it goes away right most of it so there's that kind of knowing But then there's the knowing that you feel down in the depths of who you are. It's like you digest this information. It becomes part of your being. It becomes part of who you are. Like it is part of your muscle. It's part of your heart. There's that kind of information. And so that's where I find that there's a difference between knowing Jesus as retaining information and then there's knowing Jesus because he has gone down into your soul and into the depths of who you are. So one is knowing the grade, right? And hey, seniors, congratulations. You retained the information that you needed to graduate and now you can forget it all. (laughs) And so whether you guys are going off to a university soon or whether you're joining the workforce or maybe you're just in this weird place in between and you don't know what you want to do, I plead with you all to please do not lose the knowledge that you have in Jesus Christ. Do not let him stop being the center of your life. Keep studying the word. Stay in the word because the world is a scary place and the world does not know him. And so when we're going out into the world, we're going to find different belief systems. We're going to find people who tell us that we are a fool. And we need to remember that we're being thrown into the abyss of endless knowledge from philosophers and from atheists and from other religions who are going to say there's no room for Jesus in here. So make sure you know how to hold your beliefs by knowing why you believe. And that brings me to our first point today. Do you know him or do you know him? Move from the know-how into the know-why. You know, my kids love to ask the question, why? I know we liked to when we were kids, too. You know, especially like toddlers, those who start talking, sometimes their first word is, why? Why do I have to go to bed? Why do I have to take a bath? Why do I have to go to school? Why can't I keep the one-eyed feral cat named Gary? (laughs) And then you get some of the harder questions too. Why why did my great-grandpa die? And why don't my friend's parents live in the same house? And when they find a safe place at home to ask the why questions, they're not going to be as vulnerable when they're out in the world. And when they're faced with different belief systems... When they're faced with different lifestyles, they will feel better asking, tell me why. And in studying the why, they'll be able to combat that with, let me tell you about Jesus, and let me tell you why I believe in him. There's a lot of great places to ask the why around here. Trusted pastors, trusted friends, and also the starting line. That we just saw is a great place. If you want to ask some why questions, please sign up for our starting line class. It'll be a great place for you to get to ask your questions, have them answered and grow in your faith. We must move from the knowing him to the knowing him. Don't just believe in Jesus because mom and dad told you to. Don't just believe in Jesus because you go to church and that's what you learn here. Know Jesus deep down. Know that your faith is real. Study. Ask the questions. Ask the why. After I uh, graduated from high school, I decided to go and do a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. Do I have any DTS grads in the room? Yeah. Students, I beg you, before you go and start living adult life, go and take six months. Go do a DTS with YWAM. There's thousands of them to choose from. It's a great time to really dig into the why do I believe what I believe and then to go and share it with someone around the world. One of the things that they do when you're in I'm with DTS um, and they did for me is they brought in this guy, this teacher, whose main objective of the day was to ask you why you believe what you believe. And so here we are, we're a bunch of 18-year-old Sunday school students thinking we know everything. And he asks us, okay, tell me why you believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. And all all our hands go up, we're like, because the Bible tells us so. (laughs) And he said, okay, so Muslims believe that the Quran is the right book, and that their religion is correct, and yours is wrong. Why is it that yours is right, and theirs is wrong? And we're like, uh, I don't know, but it is. And all of a sudden, we're getting in these heated arguments and we're getting mad at this guy, and we all hate him because he keeps questioning over and over. But why? How do you know that yours is right and theirs is wrong? I want an explanation that super makes sense to me. And we go through hours of this heated conversation with this man to the point where we're all basket cases at the end of the day. We're all crying. We don't know what we believe anymore. We don't know what life is about. <laughs> but the next day, they brought in an apologist, a very amazing professor named Waxter Tipton, who took the entire day to show us that our faith was real. Down to proving, like, look at every single prophecy that was fulfilled from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Look at the letters that they have found by people written about this Jesus. Look at the archeological finds that have been discovered. All of the stuff that just made us more and more excited and like, yes, we can use this. We can use this. But we had to be broken down before we could be built back up in that. And that is a good reason to ask the why. There's a couple really good books out there if you want to know more about how to defend the faith. Uh, One of my favorites is Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Uh, It's great because they keep revising this with new cults and new ways to defend our faith with the new cults that come out. It's a big book, but it's definitely worth reading, especially if you're going to be going out and being around other religions. Another great one is Evidence That Demands a Verdict by the McDowells. Great book. Great book. And then one of my favorites, and I'm sure a lot of yours too, good old-fashioned mirror Christianity. You've got C.S. Lewis, whose main objective was to make sure that people thought Christianity was false. You've got an atheist who, in his discoveries through what he was trying to prove, found Jesus Christ, fell madly in love with him, and wrote some of the best books that we have out there. So great ways to learn to defend your faith. And that's the most important thing, is having faith through that. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that's a great thing because one of the best parts on spending all of that time on the why is as we dig deeper and deeper into the why and into our beliefs and into our faith, it sure makes it easier when Jesus asks us to serve him for us to say, yes, I'm all in. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 through 25. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. You know, we find in universities, especially these days, that philosophers have a very hard time believing in theism, let alone believing in Christianity. They do not want to believe in a divine creator. And we see atheism in the world, and I love this quote that I found online about atheism. It says, The belief that there was nothing, and nothing happened to nothing, and then nothing magically exploded for no reason, creating everything, and then a bunch of everything magically rearranged itself for no reason whatsoever into self-replicating bits, which then turned into dinosaurs. That makes perfect sense. And it's so funny to me that atheists would rather believe this than surrender their life to a divine creator, and I believe that's the main reason that they believe in this. The main reason that they will not believe in Jesus Christ is because they do not want to surrender their will to anybody. They want to hold on to it for themselves. They want to have that knowledge of the world. And they think what we think is foolish. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God... For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. I also love 1 John 4. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. That's why a good chunk of the world knows of Jesus. There's a lot of atheists out there who know the Bible better than we do. But that doesn't mean they know the Father because it's only through knowing Jesus Christ and believing in his resurrection, believing in his death, that we get to the Father. We can know it all. We really can, but unless we truly know him, whether unless we truly believe in the power of his death and resurrection, we will not get to the Father. There's a few different definitions of the word to know in the Bible as so I was researching over the last couple of weeks. There's one in the Old Testament that's nacher. And this one means to kind of, to acknowledge. I acknowledge you. I kind of see this as like your random Facebook friend that you kind of know but don't really care about. To recognize, I recognize you. But I don't really, it's not like a deep down type of no. And this kind of knowledge is used in Genesis 42 when Joseph's brothers have come to Egypt to see him. And it says, Joseph saw his brothers, and he knew them, but made himself strange to them, and spoke roughly to them. And he said unto them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brothers, but they did not know him. Then there's a different kind of know. In the Old Testament, it's yada in Hebrew. And the New Testament is gnosko in Greek. And this is to perceive, to understand To become aware of by knowing through experience. And Jews even use this type as an idiom for intimacy. For instance, in Genesis 4, we see, And Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and gave birth. Paul uses this exact same kind of know in Philippians 3, verse 7, when he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Knowing the power of his death and his resurrection will bring us deeper into his word. That's what moves us from knowing him to knowing him. And once you dig down into that type of knowledge... And you get good there, go deeper. Keep digging. You can never go too deep. I love to study my Bible. I've been studying it since I was a little girl. I've done some great studies here at North County. One of my favorites that I've done here is the Precept Upon Precept Studies with Kay Arthur. I love Kay Arthur because her main objective is for us to use the Word to study the Word. Use the Bible to study the Bible. She says a quote that says, uh, "'Studying the Bible is about more than head knowledge. "'It's about life-changing relationship with God.'" So for years, I've used the Bible to study the Bible. I want to seek to understand on a new level. I spend most of my mornings looking at scriptures from different angles, applying it to where I am in life right now. What am I going through? How can this scripture help me today? Focusing on one word instead of the other. And when I do that, it brings me into a deeper place. We have uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped in every good work. Devotions. Which literally is devoting yourself. Not just reading a verse a day. Not just keeping your streaks on your YouVersion app, or checking a box that said, I did this. Devotions is a deep and intimate understanding of what it means to serve Jesus Christ, from reading your scripture in the morning or in the evening, praying throughout the day, serving Jesus, doing community together with other believers, fellowshipping after church, coming to church worshiping Jesus, serving him here, serving him in the community. There are so many ways for us to devote ourselves to Jesus. I love this quote from American author. He was a former priest and a public speaker named Brennan Manning. He says, I want neither a terrorist spirituality that keeps me in a perpetual state of fright about being in right relationship with my heavenly father, nor a sappy spirituality that portrays God as such a benign teddy bear that there is no apparent behavior or desire of mine that he will not condone. I want a relationship with the Abba of Jesus who is infinitely compassionate with my brokenness and at the same time an awesome, incomprehensible and unwieldy mystery. You know, I know I'm not the only one in this room today who has had issues with abandonment. I know I'm not the only one in this room who has at times felt worthless, who has felt invaluable, who has felt rejected. I know that that is every single one of us in this room today. There are times that you've gone home from school, from work, from family gatherings, and gone into your room and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. And I had that in my middle school years and my high school years and into my early 20s. There were a lot of times I, f- I went home feeling that way. And as I would get into my room and close the door and sit on my bed and wonder if life was worth living, I would just hear Jesus loud and clear in my heart Go, Bex, I'm here. I'm here. I love you. I'm for you. I want you. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I get to do here. That's why I'm so passionate with the lyrics that are in our worship songs. It's like we sang this morning. We were the beggars, and now we're royalty. (laughs) We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We're forgiven, accepted, redeemed. This is our Jesus. And no matter how bad somebody can make you feel, how bad you might not feel about yourself when it comes to your worth. We are worth a lot. And my heart will continue to beat the name of Jesus because his stopped beating for me. And so I will live my life every moment proclaiming the name of Jesus and what he's done, what he continues to do. And I will do it with a passion. And it's through that passion that I have for him that I will continue to study, that I will continue to know more and more of who this God is who would give his life for me he wants us <laughs> he wants us you know a couple of years ago I was up here and I told you guys about the little love of my life my little two ounce little birdie if you follow me on anything Instagram and Facebook you'll see I post him more than my kids <laughs> just <laughs> and for years for years this little birdie his name is Francis he's 18 years old and for years, I'd get in my chair in the morning after I'd open his cage door, and I'd just wait for him, and he would fly to me. And he is actively dying. I don't know if he's going to make it through the day. Um, so he can't fly anymore. But in the mornings, I take him out, and he immediately falls asleep on me. And as I am resting in the word, journaling, he just sits there, just dwelling, just breathing just being himself. And I'm a busy girl. I I really am. I like to move all the time. And so when I'm done with my devotions, when I'm done journaling and all that, I'm ready to go. Like, okay, let's get this day going. But Francis is sleeping. And it's just a great reminder. Becky, just wait. Just sit here for a minute. Just live in this moment right now. Think about what you just read. Ponder on the beauty of God as you look out the window over creation. Just take, just take a couple more minutes. You don't always need to be in a hurry. Just be. I love that I've learned that from this little, tiny, feathered friend of mine. The deeper the relationship that we have with Jesus, the more we will want to dig deeper into the word. And the more we know, the more this little thing called pride can sneak in, even when we're studying the word of God. We want to be careful that we don't become a know-it-all that doesn't know him. So as we are doing relationship with Jesus, as he's going from just being an acquaintance to being our all-in-all, to being an intimate relationship with us, we must stay focused on that. We can dig deeper. We can study the Hebrew. We can study the Greek. We can study the history of it all. But if we don't know Him through it all, then we've completely missed the point. Jeremiah 9 says, uh, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. Who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. We must keep it about Jesus and watch our motives. It's always good to do a heart check, right? Every day, every day we need to do a heart check. What is our motive behind what we're doing? This is true in so many things, not just in studying the Bible, it's in your schoolwork, it's in your work. work. It's in doing your finances. It's in working out your body. It's in dieting. It's all of these things. are They're all good for us, but pride can sneak into every single one of those. So we must watch our motives daily. First Corinthians 1 says this, "'Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise.'" God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord." I don't stand here in front of you today as one who knows it all. Heck, I don't really know all that much. I struggled in school. I got bad grades. I couldn't climb that stupid rope. I, I still can't help my kids with their math. And I don't know all the Greek and Hebrew terms. I don't know the kings of Israel in alphabetical order. I don't know any of that. But I do know a savior who is in love with me. And he's made it very well known. He died on the cross for me. He lived lived for me. He died for me. And he rose again from the dead. All for me. All for us. So I am a passionate worshiper. That's why I love my time with him. And I want to live out my calling as a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To serve him. To give all glory to who he is. I just happen to be able to carry a tune and play an instrument while I devote my passion to him. But there are so many ways for us to do this. And I guarantee you, with the worship teams that are up here every week, all glory goes to God from every song. From the pastors that deliver sermons every week, they're giving all glory to God. Those who are teaching your kids in kids' place, those who are holding your babies in blessings' place, those who are doing Bible study with your youth those who greeted you at the door, those who made your coffee, the guys that are walking around the church right now making sure the bad guys stay away. It's all done for one reason, and that is to bring glory to our Savior Jesus Christ who deserves every second of it. It's not because we know it all. It's because he is our all in all. He is our everything. And that brings me to my third point today. Let's move from it's all about me Two, it's all about the Savior. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is our time to surrender. This is our time to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow the Savior. We want him to shine through us, Right? If we want Jesus to shine through us and people only see us, then we're doing something wrong. We must shine the glory of Jesus Christ and not take any for ourselves. We must boast in the Lord. I love this quote. If you grew up in the 90s and you liked Christian music, DC Talk, Jesus Freak, uh, then you learned this quote by Brendan Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We must shine the light of Jesus. And if people are only seeing us, then we are doing something wrong and we need a heart check. Paul finishes this thought in 1 Corinthians 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. As I told you earlier, I went and did a discipleship training school with YWAM, and I love YWAM's motto to know God and make Him known. Spending three months in lecture phase, getting to really go deeper and deeper, getting broken into pieces, getting united together with other believers, studying the Word of God. And really getting to know him on a new level, a very intimate lover of my soul type of level. And then you get to go and share that with someone around the world. So I got to go to Uganda for three months. I spent time in Soroti and Saguku and on Lingira Island in the middle of the Bavuma Islands on Lake Victoria, traveling canoes every day to other islands and preaching the gospel. It was such an amazing time. But the best part about it was that I got to teach what the top priority in my life is. And that's Jesus Christ. He should be our top priority. The top one. The most important one. I'm going to say this, this verse again because I think that this is our scripture for the day. It's our scripture to live by this week. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So we're in this series right now, The One Thing. And I think today is a great reminder that we might know a little, we might know a lot. We might have been studying him a week. We might have been studying him our whole lives. And we might have very differing opinions on some of the scriptures that we we read. But we must unite with one particular thing. And that is Jesus Christ. We must unite that his death, his resurrection, and an intimate relationship with him is the only way for us to be in the kingdom on that final day. Knowing him as Lord and Savior, proclaiming him to the world, this is what we need to do with our lives. Are we all in agreement on that? It's a faith lived out in love, right? And it sure feels good. I'm going to invite the team up, and as they come up, I want to encourage us with two things today as I close. The first is I really want us all to make sure we do a heart check. And I want us to check our heart on two things. Is Jesus just a head knowledge or is he a heart knowledge? Do you understand him down into the depths of who you are? Are you continuing to dig deeper and deeper daily into that intimate relationship with Jesus? Sometimes we need to watch out too because sometimes we hit a root, right? And it's not a place to stop. It's, it's a place to deal with it. So maybe we have to deal with some things in our heart today. We have to do a heart check And then also, let's check our heart for our motives behind what we're doing. We don't want to just be a know-it-all that doesn't truly know him. We want to know him because he wants us to know him. We want to have that intimate relationship with him. And then my second encouragement today is have yourself a Francis moment this week. As you're doing your devotions, as you're spending time in the word, just take that extra couple minutes. Just sit. Just breathe. Just dwell. Dwell in who he is. That's where we go from knowing him to really knowing him. Let's pray. Jesus, we get to know you intimately. And you know our every thought, you know our every move, you know our every act, and you love us anyways. You are savior worth studying. And Jesus, I pray that as we continue to know you, every single day not just on this earth but for all eternity that we will fall more and more madly in love with you that we will move you from being an acquaintance to being a relationship to being our everything we thank you jesus that you are alive and well we thank you that we can continue to read the stories that prove your love to us we thank you that you are our hope that you are our savior, our messiah, our lord, and our friend. You are worth every second of studying you, and we love you. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.